Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, coming to you today from Marathon in the Keys of Florida. And my great guest today is Benton Crane. We just uh, greeted each other. And good thing it's audio only because I am sweating. It is nice and hot down here, but that's the way we like it. But um, I'm really excited about this interview. Benton is the Chief Executive Officer of Harmon Brothers, a Provo, Utah-based ad agency behind the most viral ads in internet history. I kid you not. Since 2013, the agency has collectively driven more than 1.5 billion views and over 700 million in sales through its groundbreaking social media spots. Benton believes in bringing excellence to everything he does. He started his career as an automotive repair mechanic, which is great training to become a highly paid ad guy, right? And he, he was honored as the number one student mechanic in Utah and number two in the nation. Um, this knack for diagnosing and solving problems has led him to study for economics and data analytics. In 2011, he was hired by Deloitte in Washington, D.C., where he served as a consultant with various clients across the, I gotta, we've got to plug in these holes. There's way too much going on here across the national intelligence community. In 2013, he joined the newly formed Harmon Brothers for a campaign to promote Poopery, an internet ad that transformed the way products are marketed. I, I could just keep going on, but I just, I'm so excited. Benton, your career, how in the world do you go from a, an auto mechanic to being like a, an amazing ad guy, a marketer? Let's call it a marketer. That's probably more appropriate. Man, that, uh, that intro was a mouthful. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if, uh, my, uh, media team sent that to you or what, but I apologize. That was a, uh, that was a journey right there. So, yeah, that, that's a great question. I've kind of had, you know, three completely separate careers. And the most recent one is, you know, making obnoxious ads that help grow companies like crazy. And, uh, you know, some of our more famous ones are Squatty Potty and Poopery, but there's also, you know, chat books and Lumi deodorant and purple mattresses and, and, and a bunch of these. And so, you know, people see that body of work and, and initially they just kind of think like, oh, those are the viral video guys. They're really great at being funny. And while there's a lot of truth to that, what they don't realize is there's also a ton of data behind the scenes that make it all possible. Yeah. And, and that's where my skill set starts to make a lot more sense. And, uh, it, you know, it started out in, in auto repair, which is a lot of, you know, problem uh, problem solving, diagnosis, that type of thing. And then it evolved into data analytics. And that's the skill set that I brought to the ad world that has kind of given us a little bit of a competitive advantage that have, it, it kind of laid the foundation for a lot of those successes that, uh, you know, the, that I just mentioned. But recognizing the power, first of all, of the internet, the, when people click on stuff, they're, I think they're, whether they're looking for information, they're also looking to be entertained. I've always believed humor is like one of the most important skills 
skill set that you can have and recognizing um, many, many, many years ago, I, I took some courses on how to be a speaker. And I remember one of the guys saying, well, if you can get people laughing, you can teach them because that means they're paying attention. Right. So um, but not everybody's great at humor. But having watched so many of the commercials you made, I mean, it, which is interesting, because I think I spotted a few of the uh, actors and doing different roles, which so you probably yep, got your favorite yep. people to work with. But they're but they're all humor based instead of just standing up and having some voice say, this is why you want to use this product. Let me tell you why it works. It's like it's just like a it's a really elaborate blend of uh, humor. But it is fact. And you did learn a lot, you know, like Squatty Potty, like eventually you figured out what that little uh, red band is that goes the wrong way. Whoever invented the toilet. Right. And, and it, so you learn something. And when you, I was watching, I go, aha. And I, I think that's why everybody goes, Oh, that's what it is. Right. Cause the name doesn't really say what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, you just pointed out that if you can entertain someone, then you can educate them. You can motivate them you can convince them to take action, you know, whether that action be, you know, go buy a product or go vote for a candidate or, or whatever the case may be. That's all only possible when you're able to actually hold their attention. And, and what's so interesting about entertainment is that when you're being entertained, you forget about all the rest. You forget about the education, the convincing, all that sort of thing. And that's why when you, when you're watching, you know, a football game or something and the commercial breaks come on, there's some commercials that pop up that feel like they last an eternity. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? Right. That's because you're not being entertained. And that's because you're not, uh, you're not sucked into the rhythm of the entertainment and of the ad. And then you think about other ads that are entertaining. You can totally forget about time. You know, we've had a lot of successful ads that, you know, go three, four, five minutes. We even had one go 11 minutes long. But it doesn't matter because when you're being entertained, you completely forget about time and you just you get sucked into the world, into the message. And that's why it's so incredibly effective. And, and as you pointed out, humor is, you know, one of the, you know, one of the main tools that we use to be entertaining and to be clear, I'm like the least funny person in my whole entire company. Like I'm, I'm as dry as they come. But what we've, what we've discovered is that it's way easier to train a comedian to educate, to market, to sell than it ever is to train a marketer to be funny. You're right. You know, comedy takes years, sometimes decades to, to develop into becoming a world-class talent. You know, you think about... Uh, you know, your Jerry Seinfelds of the world, um, the number of hours and years that they put into their craft, you know, doing open mic night at the, you know, at the local club, testing out their new material, writing 100 jokes for everyone that actually lands. Uh, you know, that's an enormous amount of work that the average person, they're just not going to be able to touch those repetitions and that experience. And so we, we like to go to experienced proven comedians and we bring them in and we give them the support and training to teach them how to educate, how to be convincing, how to sell, how to market. And, and that's one of the, you know, one of the magic keys to, to our formula, if you will. And that's how we can create these ads that are just so incredibly entertaining. So 
Benton, did you do you bring in the comedians to help write the copy or do you, your team writes the copy and you help the, the comedians deliver it in a professional way or, or both? Both. So the, the comedians are they're they're core to the writing process. Um, and, you know, when it comes to actually delivering, it's actually we found that stand up comedians do not usually have the skill set to be in front of the camera. And that's because the skill set that they've developed is performing in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. And so they become very dependent on, you know, needing that immediate feedback from the audience. And when they lose that, you know, when they're standing it just in front of the camera, um, it can be really hard for them to, to perform. But we found that improv comedians uh, can often do really well in front of the camera and also sketch comedians are very good in, in, in front of the camera. So while I would say the majority of our writers um, probably come from a stand-up background, although we have several from sketch and also several from um, improv as well, I would say the bulk of them come from stand-up. And, uh, and yet I would say the, on the actor side, fewer come from the stand-up community. So what's interesting is I was watching these commercials and I, I usually set aside about a half hour for prep. I, I was going way more than that because I was so intrigued, which speaks to the, the very coolness of your ads. And for there was one um, of your clients called Fiber Fix, which yep. I thought, I mean, is that like a cereal to give you <laughs> get your regular? But no, it's like a super strong duct tape. One of the things I always keep on the boat. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you delivered that was this manly man. You kept referring to manly men and manly man. And the guy in there was maybe not the person you think is a manly man, but it was almost like a caricature of a manly man. That's right. And, you know, because I think my guess is because I've been marketing for a long time, but I'm looking, I go, they, it's a manly man, but you want Pete, you want Joe Average to associate with that guy, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that ad to date is one of my favorite that we've ever done. Um, and it, of course, part of that ad was, uh, you know, we took these old junker cars and we built roll cages around them. Um, you know, one car with a roll cage held together by duct tape, and then it's, you know, a, a second car with a roll cage held together by fiber fix. And then we threw them both off of a cliff and watched how, the, you know, the, the car protected by duct tape was just destroyed and flattened into a pancake, whereas the car protected by fiber, fiber fix, you know, rolled all the way to the bottom of the hill and, and came out just fine. And, and so, you know, my... I guess my redneck background, if you will, growing up, you know, wrenching on cars uh, really made that campaign just a delight and a highlight of, uh, of, of my career. But to your point, you know, we, we created that man, that manly man character who pitches the product and, and we did it in a way where, um, you, you know, he, he has some of the, you know, the redneck manly man stereotypes, but then he also surprises you with some of his lines um, that can both make him um, relatable in some ways, and it can also add authority to what he's saying in other ways. So one line, for instance, is, uh, is where he says um, something about he's listing off things that are manly, and then he said, 
and a diversified stock portfolio. Yes, I thought that's that was manly hysterical. too. You know, and <laughs> yeah. it just kind of it, it's surprising because it cuts against that you know redneck stereotype, and so adds some credibility to what he's saying. It, I thought he looked like a skinny uh, Larry the Cable Guy, so I don't know if that was intentional or not. But um, the other thing I noticed about that was, and and what caught me. I thought, okay, this car is still not going to survive. And I thought the punchline is going to be, yeah, you don't want to use it to save your life if you're going in a car over a cliff. But no, it actually worked. So I was waiting to see what the, so, I mean, I, I, I guess every word that goes into copy and things like that is just designed to get you to listen, to keep watching it and, and, and not click off. That's correct. Yeah, so, it's the foundation for everything we've ever made actually started back in, I want to say it was like 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. Which, if you remember, that's shortly after Google had purchased YouTube. Yes. And, and when Google made that purchase, YouTube at that point was just a video sharing platform. It was like, you know, cat videos and stuff. Right. And, and Google had these intentions of turning it into a business platform. And, and so they built this ad platform and launched it on YouTube. And initially, it got very, very little adoption. But my, my partner, Jeff Harmon... He was working on a product at the time called Aura Brush, which is this tongue brush you scrape your tongue with and it gets rid of bad breath. And he built an ad that was two and a half minutes long because he felt like it needed to be that long to really explain the product and the problem and the solution. And um, he finished the ad and he started showing it to people, myself included, and all of us gave him the same feedback. We're like, two and a half minute ad. What are you going to do with that? There's nowhere to put a two and a half minute ad. Like back then you had, you know, your 15 second spots, your 30 second spots, your one minute spots, or like your full on infomercial spots, which are like, you know, 20, 30 minutes, but two and a half minute spots just didn't exist. But Jeff was persistent and he was like, that's the right amount of time that I need. And so I've got to find a place to put it. And so he actually asked the YouTube team who keep in mind at this point, they're kind of small, nimble, acted like a startup because they're trying to launch this ad platform. He went to them and he said, hey guys, can you give me a skip ad button? Because my thinking is that if I do a long ad, we'll just let the people who don't want to watch it skip it, but the people who do want to watch it can just engage with it and finish out the, the two and a half minutes. And, and YouTube was like, yeah, sure. We'll give it a try. Let's test it out. And so they built the skip ad button. And, uh, and that was the, you know, now we've all seen that button a million times in, in front of our ads, but at the time, no one had ever done that before. And I don't think at the time anyone understood how big of an impact it would have on the whole entire advertising industry. Yeah. But if you look Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say it's like whoever and I I know there's debate about who did it, but it's like whoever invented the first squeeze page, which, you know, you know how revolutionary that was to to Internet marketing. That's right. That's right. Because if you look at advertising prior to that skip button versus after, you'll see this massive shift in um, if, if you think about it advertisers used to treat their audience as a captive audience where Mm -hmm. it's like, I can force feed you any crap that I want to because you don't have anything better to do with your time. And you're just going to suffer through it no matter what I put in front of you. Then the skip button comes along and it starts this massive shift where advertisers can no longer treat their audience as captive. 
they have to treat their audience in such a way that says, you can opt out of this at any point. And so I have to give you something that actually adds value to your day. I have to give you something that you'll voluntarily take your time to watch, to comment, to share. Um, and, and it massively shifted the balance of power from advertisers to viewers. And of course, that has continued into all the other social media platforms, you know, it, your Facebook or, or, or Instagram feed, you know, you're scrolling. And if an ad doesn't catch your attention, you just keep scrolling right past it. And so it, it, it forces us advertisers to actually provide value instead of just thinking about extracting value. And one of the great things about, well, direct response, copywriting, and also what, what now the, what the internet affords is like instant response. You, you, you know, in the old days, you had to mail, you know, a couple hundred letters or something and then wait and see how many coupons you get back. Yep. You know, pretty instantly if people are watching or if they're hitting the skip button. So, I mean, it's like literally it makes me think when the, when he came out with that long thing, everybody goes, what's way too long. It's like, it's like the uh, record executives when Inagata DeVita or Bohemian Rhapsody came out, nobody's going to listen to a seven minute song. Right. <laughs> but in reality, in the ad world, right? And in reality, in the ad world, it's like, you want to do two things. You want to attract the right people and repel the other. So if they hit the skip button, no offense, they're just not a customer. But if somebody watches, boy, you, you want to really engage with that person. That's right. Wow. So fascinating. I knew I was going to love this conversation. Um, so did you or your writers, I mean, I, I, my greatest mentor is Dan Kennedy. I can see a lot of his thumbprints or, but there's a lot of great, you know, Gary Halbert, there's so many smart people. Where did you get your training in kind of this uh, direct response area? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because um, we're, you know, pretty much my whole entire team are industry outsiders. Okay. And we kind of came, came into this industry, not knowing the rules of the game, so to speak. And so instead of kind of playing by the rules, we just came in and said, here's a problem, let's solve it. And, and what we kind of landed on, which I find super fascinating, is that the two opposite extremes in the advertising world historically have been direct response, which sounds like that's kind of your background. And then the opposite extreme is more your traditional branding side. And, and historically, those two camps hate each other. Like the, you know, the branding guys look at direct response, particularly you know, infomercials, squeeze pages, all that sort of thing. And the brand guys are like, oh, it's way too pushy, way too salesy, way too in your face you know, it, why would you ever do that to your brand? You know, that type of thing. They would call it short-term thinking. You know, you're trying to just extract value rather than add value. That's the criticism that, that, that they would provide. Whereas going back the other direction, the direct response guys look at all that branding stuff and they're like, oh my gosh, that's fluffy. It's not trackable. Um, it's expensive. Um, you know, they have all these criticisms towards it. And where my team came in and we were outsiders and we just kind of looked at both and we were like, man, there's enormous value in both sides on the direct response side. The value is that you get immediate feedback. You get immediate ROI. You spend a dollar, you get $2 back on the brand side. Um, there's all this value of you're, you're entertaining, you're engaging on an emotional level. You're creating something that is memorable. It's shareable. People talk about it. It's fun. And, and so we're like, let's just take the best of both of those worlds 
and pull them into one. And so if you look at, you know, the body of our work, uh, you know, take squatty potty, poopery, purple mattresses, whatever it is, you'll see all the elements of a direct response campaign. And, and like you mentioned, you can see a lot of, you know, Dan Kennedy's fingerprints on yep. that because you're seeing things like, you know, problem, solution, build credibility, overcome concerns, call to action, offer, you know, all, all of that sort of thing. It's all built right in, which is a tried and true method to drive success. But in addition to that, you're also going to find the branding side of things where, you know, typically you're going to see a brand character show up in like Allstate or Geico ads where you've got, you know, the Geico Gecko or you've got Allstate's Mayhem. And they create this character that's a brand character who lives in this brand universe and they entertain you and they make you laugh and they make you talk about it with you, with your friends because it's so fun. And we integrate all of that right into our ads too. Um, so, you know, whether it's the chat books, real mom, who's living this hectic life where everything's going crazy and, you know, inside of her house and there's all these funny things happening, but then there's also these heartwarming moments that, you know, it just sucks you in and just brings you into this brand world that you then want to go share with your friends and you want to talk about it on social media or talk about it at a party or over the dinner table. And, uh, and that's kind of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the the whole foundation that we build on is trying to take from the best of both of those worlds. I, I only got about five more minutes. So I'm going to keep squeezing stuff. And I, I knew I was going to love this interview. So you, you worked with um, keto chow. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yep. Okay. So on their commercial, you know, there's the old saying, especially like in the coaching field, you got to sell them what they want and then give them what they need. Right. If I remember right, I was listening to the founders of that, and they're saying, well, it starts with weight loss, but then they figure out how much better it is when you live on a diet that's not packed with sugar and, and garbage, right? But yet that's not what people start with. Was that, is that kind of the, the angle the commercial was taken? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's a really good way to state it. And another way to think about it is through the lens of, um, you, you know, your, your story brand, which is a, um, oh, shoot, I just, I'm having a brain fart on the author of that book. Um, Donald Miller, how to, how to build a story brand by Donald Miller. Oh, okay. And basically the thesis there is that if you always follow the, the story arc of a hero's journey, which basically says your customer is the hero of the story, your brand is the guide in the story, and your product is the tool that the hero needs to find success in their journey. Mm. And so when you're comparing that to the Star Wars infrastructure, right? Luke is the hero. He meets Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is the guide. So Luke is your customer. Obi-Wan is the brand. But then what does Obi-Wan do? He teaches Luke to use the force. And so the force is the tool that Luke needs to be successful. Or in, your, in the situation of a company, it's the product that the, uh, that, that the, uh, the hero needs to be successful. So back to Keto Chow, the viewer is the hero. They need to lose weight. Keto Chow becomes Obi-Wan Kenobi, who guides them to find success in their journey and provide them with a tool, which is the product. Um, and, and then the hero is able to use the product and follow the guide to then find success in their, in, in their own journey. Um, so I think that's just a different lens to look at it. But ultimately, like you said, yeah, we, um, you know, we, we give them what, the, what they're looking for. 
uh, or I can't remember the words you use, but I, I thought it was great. What they want and what they need. Um, That's right. So my last question is, and don't give away any trade secrets, but I'm envisioning you come up with these commercials and then you just have something from the old uh, traditional ad days. You have focus groups like where you might or in the movies, you might screen a movie and you're somebody's taking copious notes about who laughs, you know, and when and how long between things is. Do you do a lot of that or do you just launch the ads and see how it goes and then maybe make another one or how much goes into before you launch the ad? Like, Oh, enormous amounts of that at every step in the process. Okay. Meaning we come up with a concept, we stress test it. Then we, once we like the concept, then we write scripts around it. And then we stress test those scripts. And like you're saying, we'll get in front of an audience. We'll film their faces as we're reading them the script so that we can pick up on any areas where they start to tune out. Oh man, they're checking their watch something's wrong here. We, we don't have yep. the right rhythm. We don't have the right joke density. We've got to go in and, and diagnose what's happening here. Because if we can't keep somebody engaged from start to finish when it's just a script, then how could we ever keep them engaged once it's you know a, a finished video? And so oh, every man. step of the process, we're constantly stress testing it. And that that's goes all the way back to you know what we started the conversation around, where that's a lot of the data analytics that are going on behind the scenes that make the creative successful by informing all of those creative decisions. And that's what allows us to, you know, have a batting average that is just like, you know, way beyond any industry averages um, because we don't just throw things out there and hope for the best. We yep. test our way into them, you know, from the very earliest stages of each project. Wow. Benton Crane, Chief Executive Officer to Harmon Brothers. I, I knew this was going to be fun. I would love to get you back sometime. I know you're a busy man, but I, I think we just scratched the surface. My audience loves this kind of stuff. So maybe in a, in a couple of months, I could uh, twist your arm and get you back in. Happy to help. Pleasure to be here, Jim. Hey, um, so how can people, um, where do you want them to go to learn more about you and, and do all the research I did. I guess your uh, your corporate website's pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to stay in touch with me, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So make sure to send me a connection request on LinkedIn. And uh, and then, of course, check out HarmanBrothers.com. Um, and that's where you can uh, learn all about us. Follow our podcast, Poop to Gold, on all the major platforms. And uh, we'll see you around. Very good. And uh, folks, if you can follow me because you like marketing, go seriously, go check out Harmon Brothers website and study them. I, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm pressed for time. But I kept watching these commercials and it is an education as much as entertainment. Benton, thank you so much again uh, for coming on uh, Dream Business Radio. Greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Jim. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Benton Crane, Chief Executive Officer of Harmon Brothers, and connect with him at harmonbrothers.com. Connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. But I'm a little pressed for time. You're going to do another one. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.